podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mr. Worldwide to infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, get my booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell her, tell her, baby, 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 I'm on fire. I tell her, baby, 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 I'm a fireball. Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka GigPod. I'm Stevie, and as you can probably tell, I'm still very much buzzing from last night. We dished out an overdue doing to Rangers. We played our best football of the year so far, and we are, most importantly, back to the top of the league. Where we belong, Rizzo. Yes, where we belong. Hi everybody. I thought we were going to say, most importantly, back with a new episode of GigPod. But no, Celtic being top of the league is almost as good as a new episode of GigPod. A lot of things are still sort of racing through my mind for last night. I'm just really trying to take it all in as much as possible and enjoy that because it's not just the result, it was the manner of it. It was the way that, you know, you're finally seeing Ange and that team get their first win over that Rangers side. And it was a significant statement win for that team. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I'll come on to like history repeating itself. After a game against Rangers, before we played Motherwell at Fur Park, um, you know the one I'm talking about, but generally, John, how much did you enjoy it, and how much are you enjoying today? Oh, I enjoyed it very much. It was sensational. I mean, you know, I've always, like, I've thought Ange's done a good job, but I've been a bit reticent to go overboard in terms of praise, because I felt I needed that, like, signature big win, and the team delivered last night, and I know we'll go into the game in more depth in a wee bit, but... It was just sensational, really, how relentless Celtic were. Just non-stop in that first half, especially. I mean, I've not seen a Celtic performance like that against Rangers for years. Probably no nonsense like the Martin O'Neill uh, years, and that's a big compliment because that was some, one of Celtic's best teams in our history, uh, the first three, four years of Martin O'Neill's time. So, no, I've been... Uh, I've watched the game, uh, but say the game today, and I was just marvelling at how good we were and everything and just doing is working well, as you say, we don't want to get too much ahead of ourselves. But no, if, after beating Rangers in that uh, manner and managed not to have a hangover the next day, it's a, a day to celebrate. Speak for yourself, John. I wasn't in a very good way this morning, but I was professional and I got on with my work. Truly a hero for the ages. But I drank five cans in uh, an hour and a half and I somehow managed not to have a hangover so what a man I'm a legend is that you and the next jackass I take it eh? we'll, we'll talk more about that later that's that's the second biggest highlight of the week Celtic being Rangers <laughs> jackass forever and hopefully I'll be able to go and see them all at uh, family issues permitting but hello to Johnny Knoxville and all the gang no doubt they're big gig pod fans <laughs> before I talk about your thoughts pre-game John you were talking about Martin O'Neill there and how that was like a type of Martin O'Neill Celtic performance what makes you say that? Like, why would you say 
a throwback to the Martin O'Neill days and not, for example, like Brendan Rodgers when he bodied Matt Warburton's Rangers in the 5-1 game back in 2016? What makes you say Martin O'Neill specifically? Because uh, that Rangers team we bodied under Brendan Rodgers weren't competitive. No disrespect to that Brendan Rodgers team because that was a great team as well. But, I mean, that Rangers team had just... Like, uh, I think that was our first season in the Premier League. And they had that sort of fluke win against us in the Cup semi-final the season before. But, no, that was nothing compared to that Rangers team for last night. That Rangers team for last night had went unbeaten last season. And just, like, under Martin O'Neill, like, when we played Rangers in, like, the 6-2 game, for example, that Rangers team had won the league the season before. So it's all I was comparing it really. Though the style the style of football is a bit different because I would say that the Martin O'Neill side was a lot more direct, but the sort of relentless attacking was similar. But this Celtic team has probably got more speed than that Martin O'Neill era side. They play better football, I'd say. No disrespect to that team because that was a fantastic time with some great players. But no, it's about the level of competition you're up against and. After how rubbish we were last season, I mean, I didn't expect Ange to turn it around in like seven or eight months. So he's doing very, very well. Talking about pre-game now, John, I mean, you know what it's like, the build-up to these games, the week ahead, you're nervous, you're excited. Sometimes the bravado kicks in and you say, oh, we're going to do it three or four now, that mob are terrible. Then you get a wee bit more realistic and you start saying, mm, well... They do have players that can hurt us and they did win the league last season. And What was your thoughts going into the game? Were you quite bullish in general? I thought it would be a, a tight game. I I know that uh, we caught a wee bit of flack for saying that we didn't think Celtic were brilliant uh, the weekend, but we had sort of been playing up and down performances and I think Rangers had been the same, but we were obviously getting more results recently than they had. So I thought it'll be a close game with no lot in it. But then I was uh, talking to an unnamed Rangers fan friend of mine. Sorry, guys. And he was adamant that we were going to hammer Rangers. And I thought he was doing that usual, like, like try to jinx it. Like, oh, really? They'll be. So he was like, no, Rangers have been poor. I think we're going to get hammered tonight. And I thought, I think I'll just be like 2-1 or something. And I, was, I took 2-1, but I was confident with the win. But I didn't expect the way the first half went where they just... Even though that is the style of football we like to play, we didn't really play like that against Dungeon United at the weekend. We didn't create that many chances, but last night was just ridiculous. For the very first minute, it was constant attack, non-stop, and they couldn't cope with it, and it was great to see. Now, we had the news, John, that Callum McGregor and Dyson Maeda could have featured pre-game. Um, and said in the press conference that Callum McGregor was training and Dyson Maeda was likely to get some game time. He was going to have a chat with him. So I didn't think we were going to see Maeda at any point. McGregor, I thought, after Angie's press conference, I thought he was going to start anyway. How much of a boost do you reckon that was, though? See, McGregor was going to start an hour before kickoff. Huge. In fact, I, I just the same as you. I knew as soon as Ange said in Tuesday that he's been training, I thought he's definitely going to play. And in fact, I think he said the night there was no way that he was going to miss the game. He says if any of the fans had a broken face, I think he actually said that, that they would have tried to play in it. I think he said his cheekbones broken two places. So good on him for that. I knew uh, he'd play for the start and we really badly needed him. I mean, he isn't always like 100% brilliant every week, but he just adds something to that Celtic midfield that the likes of Nier Beaton and James McCarthy don't. 
So I knew he'd play in, in Medea. I thought he might get like 20 minutes, but he ended up getting a lot more than that. But that, I think, shows that the players are so committed to this Celtic team that the guy's willing to fly back for Japan and play the next day. And I, I don't think that would happen with a lot of other. I suppose it depends where he's coming from as well, because like Tom Rogic obviously didn't play. But, I mean, that shows that the players that Andrew's brought in that he knows really believe in what he's doing. How much, John, do you think psychologically that says a lot about that Celtic team, as you were saying? You know, Dyson Maeda, I'm not going to say Medea, as you say, it's, it's a mental way that you pronounce that surname, but it's your gimmick now. But, you know, he travelled all the way for Japan, arrived on Wednesday morning and still featured, whereas they made their big blue chip signing in Aaron Ramsey. Now, by all accounts, Aaron Ramsey is a very good football player, but it's the fact that he immediately arrived and he ruled himself out of this game. And you're just wondering, you know, mentality-wise, what does that say? about him, what does that say about that Rangers team and that manager as well, because to me, it really just shows up their weakness, John, and you could tell as soon as they stepped in the part in the opening five minutes, they might as well have joined Ramsey up in the director's box, because not one of them looked like they wanted to be at Celtic Park last night. No, that was a strange one about Ramsey, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say he's not a good player, because I think he's a good player, and I think people saying he's not just been daft, I mean, I hope that he doesn't really do much for them, and who knows when he's going to start playing for them? But no, I thought that was a bit strange. I mean, I would have had him on the bench at least, just be, just to have like a psychological thing, as you say. But I mean, as as soon as the game started, you could tell the Rangers just were only up for it, and it really was reminiscent when we used to play them. That bit about them not being up for it was a bit more reminiscent of the Brendan Rodgers time. We were just far better than them when the game was won. So that was a that was reminiscent of that, and even dare we say uh, Lenny Lennon's team at times. Very few occasions, but that uh, 3 nothing game, and I think 2011 in, uh, in particular, that was a game that was uh, won relatively quickly. But no, they just won the up for it at all, and they couldn't cope with Celtic's ridiculously intense performance. And as you said, everybody's buying into what Ange wants to do. The, the signings that were made in January, I mean, they've been phenomenal. That, that's, that's just transformed the Celtic team. And we were all in a panic about what we were going to do without like, Kyogo. And even somebody like David Tumble, who I think is stick sometimes, but he's still scored nine goals a season. Like, how are we going to replace these guys that are long-term injury victims? And we've managed to do that. And it's a lot of that's been due to the guys that we signed in January. And unbelievably enough, congratulations to the Celtic board for their transfer business in January. And I can't believe I'm saying that. So who knows? Maybe I'll get invited for free biscuits soon for saying that. We're going to talk about one of the... In fact, we'll talk about a few of the players we brought in in January in just a wee minute. But... Before I do that, just think back as well, John, to 2005 when we brought in, do you remember Craig Bellamy on the last day? Like they Of course in I do. Rams, right? Bellamy wasn't 100% fit and I'm right in saying his debut was against Rangers. I know we went on to lose 2-0, but it was a big statement signing from us and still he played because mentally he wanted to still play against them anyway. It was a massive one for him to prove himself. I'm shocked with that Ramsey one, I do have to say. I mean, common sense could prevail, and it could very much be because he's not featured a lot, could very well be injured. I don't really want to spend too much time talking about that either, but it does shock me, John, and it's just, to me, it just shows up where they are now. They're a weak side, and they're there to be got at. And one of the players that, I mean, that midfield, John, last night we had in Matthew O'Reilly, Callum McGregor, and Will Hitati, up against Aribo, Kamara, who was actually subbed uh, at the end of the first half, Scott Arfield, John, it was just like, it was men against boys, and Matt O'Reilly, 
I mean, he's only 21. He played that inexperienced 30 year old. What a sensational performance. His touch was exquisite. He knew where to release the ball and he just, all in all, John, it was a, a very impressive performance for him. Michael McGregor, you know, we're talking about Ramsey in terms of not mentally being up for it and frankly being a fucking shite bag. Now, Callum McGregor comes in. He's wearing that mask because easily joined somebody like Kamara or Arfield could have smashed him and he could have really felt the force of it. But he played through it and he was there and he stood up for the team. And I just love it. I love that we're now seeing this Callum McGregor that's standing up to Rangers after, you know, me and you moaned about his performances against them last season. We thought, is this Callum McGregor finished now as a player? Maybe finished is an exaggeration, but like, is his best years beyond him? Not at all. Not after last night, not after this season under Ange. The manager has just, what wonders with McGregor. I have to come on to Rio Hitati as well, John. I was marking out about him when uh, we signed him. You know that. I listened to what a lot of football fans over in Japan and a lot of football fans here said about Hitati because they watched him and they just said he was going to fit into the Celtic team under Ange effortlessly. My God, man, last night, John. Can we just talk about those two finishes now? Ah, they were exceptional. Uh, the first one, he took it very well. It just took a bit of an age. I needed a deflection, but it was still a very good finish. And he was in the right place at the right time. But that saying goes one of the best Celtic goals in a long time. I mean, I know we mentioned Matt O'Reilly earlier. What a brilliant uh, part he played. Uh, I think it was his pass to hit that to set the goal. And it was such a brilliant sort of culling effort as well. He put it out of reach of McGregor. His celebration sort of reminded me a bit of Lugo Maravchik when he scored, I think, his first goal when we beat Rangers 5-1 in, uh, back in 1998. But it was, he was fantastic. I mean, that's three goals scored already. Uh, he scored more goals against Rangers than Chris Boyd ever scored against us, fact fans. <laughs> and no, he is absolutely fantastic. What a player he is. He, he can do everything. He can pass, move, control the game, score goals. Get assists, as we saw for the third goal. No, what a signing. Our business in January was just ridiculously good. And Matt O'Reilly, he's only a young guy. And as you said, you think he'd been there for years. He's so uh, composed in the ball. And that pass that he'd done for the second goal was sort of reminiscent of Tom Rogic a wee bit. It sort of reminds me a bit of Tom Rogic. I don't know if he's got his like, sort of ability to beat like three or four players at a time, but... He's certainly nearly as good as uh, old Tom. But no, that midfield was just excellent. They absolutely dominated the Rangers midfield. I think they had like one chance in the first half when Aribo nearly put Arfield through, but he overhit the pass and Joe Hart uh, smothered the ball at his feet and did a good save and then right through that we scored the second goal. But no, Celtic midfield last night was absolutely brilliant and that's the two new signings that have made such a difference. I mean, it, Matt O'Reilly won especially. I mean, when you consider that we knew for a long time I think Andrew was going to try and get the guys for Japan in, but Matt O'Reilly, when that signing was at McGree, when that fell through, and just this, like, must they must have, the O'Reilly must have caught his eye and he was like, I'm going to try and get him. And he's coming right away. That's him played at Tynecastle and against Rangers, and he's been excellent in both games. A brilliant signing. Totally agree, John. Moving on now, this is an area of the pitch that I felt was so vital for us, how the scoreline uh, turned out. It was the Balkan battle. Josip Pitbull Juranovic. What an outstanding display by him. You know, the opposite side for them. Borna Barisic. This is a guy who I would say he was one of Rangers' like top three players against us every time, you know, when they were a real threat. And he looked I mean, I think him and Bassey were the two players 
alongside Kamara that just looked like they did not want to be anywhere near that pitch. I mean, Barisic for that third goal was laughable, but John, did you see in the first half when Barisic, he was constantly just passing the ball back to McGregor, but our McGregor, Callum, did you see him just like getting right in his face, screaming and bawling at him and calling him a shite bag for passing back again? How amazing was that? I did see it and it was, it was uh, highly amusing. I thought, I agree with you about Barisic. I don't really want to talk about Rangers much, but as you see, he had been a good player against us last season, but it was so bad last night. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was extremely amusing. The third goal where he sort of just stood and crouched doing his Lula Bada stole in. He put his 3 0 ahead with a great finish and what a player he's been for us. But no, that was really odd. But Juranovic, unbelievably good. He didn't give Ryan Kent a sniff. He was absolutely fantastic. I mean, who has always marked out and said he's a legend for day one? Yes, you. All right. Thank you, brother. But he was fantastic. And it really is. It's a, it is really weird when you think about how good he was last night and how good he was at time cards, where I thought he was brilliant. That he was at the team for so long, but you have to say that Tony Ralston was really good the first half of the season. But Juranovic just took it to a new level. They just didn't have a clue how to cope with him with the attacking runs he was making. He was so good going forward. I think it was he he helped serve the second goal as well. It was him, O'Reilly, and then Hitati. But every time he got forward, they set up a couple of chances for Gigi. We just didn't have a clue what to, how to cope with him. And he just he kept Ryan Kent quiet as well. He didn't get a touch, really, until like he had done a couple of crosses in the second half when the game was finished. But, no, I thought United, which was absolutely fantastic. Another great signing. I don't know who's identifying all these players at Celtic today, but they're, they're, these days, but they're, they're doing a very good job because... They've nearly all been excellent and played their part this season. But Juranovic, that was one of the best Celtic fullback performances I've seen for a long time. It was sort of, even though they're in different positions, it was reminiscent of the sort of games that Kieran Tierney used to have for us when he was at his best. And that's high praise because Kieran Tierney is one of the best Celtic fullbacks I've had for a long time. It was just fantastic. Totally agreed. Uh, and a great shout as well with Kieran Tierney because Kieran Tierney up against them showed no fear. He showed them no respect. And they ended up hating that. And they actually hated any time he was in the team. And I reckon that's the way it's going to be with Juranovic. I think after last night, John, the way that he showed them no respect whatsoever, he laughed in Ryan Kent's face. Thing is, he'll go to Ibrox as well, and their fans will hate him for that. But, John, I think Juranovic is that type of player. He will thrive off it, and he will love going to Ibrox and being booed. Well, I hope so. But And, of course, in his first game for us was at Ibrox, and he was playing out of position at left-back, and he had a sort of... A run-of-the-mill game, it couldn't have been easier for him. But over the last month, he just took his his performances to a new level. Even when he came on against uh, Dundee United, he played the part with a winning goal when he passed it to Yota. But no, I think he's absolutely excellent. And this team just seems to be improving more and more uh, by the game. And it has took me by surprise, I have to say. But no... I've run out of support loves for Juranovic. It was that good. Well, we're not stopping there with the compliments, John. We're going to go for it. We're going to give a few more players shout-outs. And I think the Gig Pod fans will be wanting to hear about Greg Taylor as well. What was your opinion of him? Because on 6-7 Hail Hail with Hamish and John, I did say realistically long-term, probably need to upgrade the left-back position. Despite that, we are stuck with what we've got this season. And I tell you something, John, if Greg Taylor can put in performances like he did last night, We'll be doing okay at the end of the season, at least. Ah, you can see why Ange likes him so much when he plays like that. It was, I would say, his best game for Celtic. He actually should have scored when he had that uh, header in the second half. Well, he should have headed it, but he he tried to sort of lift it in with his feet, which was a bit weird. But no, 
he didn't give the Rangers uh, defence attackers a chance. He was constantly going forward and he was up for the game. He's, I don't know, Ange must have talked to him and said you need to be more aggressive because he was doing that last week against Hearts when he was uh, having a Barnley with that Devlin guy. So, I mean, you can, Ange obviously likes him a lot and I think he'll be a left-back between now and the end of the season and I think probably next season he might be the first-choice left-back because Ange is such a big fan. But no, I thought he was very, very good. As you say, I don't think he'll ever be like people's favourites because he's he, he doesn't do the flashy stuff. You can understand why people are going bananas over... Well, you can understand why people are so happy about Juranovic because he was like in their faces and he does a lot going forward and he played a part in one of the goals and he was a constant threat. Greg Taylor doesn't really like that. He's more solid. He's allowed... And this isn't a criticism, but he's a run-of-the-mill type of player. But he got stuck in last night, and I thought he was excellent. And it was probably his best game for Celtic, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be a... If he can keep playing like that, there's no reason why he can't be the left-back going forward for a while. And also, John, our defence in general, Carl Vickers and Starfelt, I mean, they were so untroubled. How mad's that? That against Hibs, Hearts and Dundee United, our defence have had far more to do than against like Kent, Roof, and the guy on loan for Man United, Diallo. Bizarre, isn't it? Well, it's it's a bit weird. I mean, I suppose you compare you can compare the game last night a bit to the Hibs game because when it comes like that game was won by half time as well, and we didn't really do much saying half. Although I don't think people were getting pissed off like they were after the Hibs game, like because last night was against Rangers. So no, I mean Hearts causes a lot more problems. Dungeon United, as you said, causes a bit more problems, but credit to Starfield and Carl Vickers. Starfield got a lot of slagging at the start of the season, and it was partly deserved because he did look ropey, and he did sort of turn in a couple of dodgy performances before Christmas as well, but he's obviously maybe spoke to the manager on that again, maybe even spoke to John Kennedy, and uh, son of Stratton, who are now turning into legends, which I just can't believe. But no, Carl Starfield was... Excellent last night. He had relatively little to do. I think Carl Vickers is brilliant as ever. He's so solid and he just is constantly winning the ball. He never looks hurried or under pressure, When even when we're doing the passes at the back, which I hate. No, the pair of them were excellent and I really hope we sign Carl Vickers. I mean, I know everybody wants to sign Jota and understandably because he's like been great for us this season, but I think getting Carl Vickers the same would be huge because him and Starfield, maybe Chris Julian, if we see him this season, who knows, we might see him relatively soon. I think like that three of good meetings are like our defence for a good few years yet. Really pleased for Carol Starfield because before the Hibs game, Chris Julian was training, as you can remember, John, and a lot of people were saying it's time for Julian to come back. People were maligning Starfelt over the cup final and a mistake against St Johnston, but he really has screwed it up since the winter break, and I'm really happy for the guy. Talking about a front three now, John, and Leela Bada scored the third goal, but what was your thoughts on their performances with Abada, Gigi and Jota? How did you rate them? I'll talk about Jota first, because I thought he had a sort of quiet game. I don't know if he was, he was feeling his injury a wee bit. He did have that brilliant shot that McGregor saved uh, at the start. But by his standards, he had a relatively quiet game, but he's done so much for this, this season, I can let him away with that. I thought Gigi done well. I mean, I don't think the chances were that easy. The first one, I actually think he'd done very well to win the header in the first place that McGregor saved. I thought he was unlucky there. 
The second one, I think he done well to get his shot away, and McGregor tipped it over. The third one, he maybe could have done a wee bit better when he, he hit it right at McGregor, but he gave Rangers loads of problems, and I think he should be pleased with the way he played. He was annoyed he never scored, and you could tell he was annoyed, but he, oh, that's what you want. They're big strikers to cause defensive problems, and he was doing that, and I really was impressed with that header. I mean, it would have been even more impressive if we scored. But the fact that he managed to win it in the first place, that was impressive to me. And he'll be annoyed he never scored because he's not scored a lot of goals this season. But no, I thought he'd done well. And I thought Abada was fantastic. What a player. He scored 13 goals. And he's so good at knowing where the ball is going to be that drifting into the penalty box. You saw that on Saturday against United. And you saw it last night when he stole in. Well, Rangers defence just stood there. No, I thought he was absolutely excellent. I know he got a wee bit of an injury in the second half. I hope that's not a bad one. And I hope he's back at the weekend. But no, I thought he was absolutely excellent. He has probably, I'd say, maybe been our signing in the season. I know we paid like three and a half million for him, but it was only 19. But he just took so well to life at Celtic. He had a difficult start as well, when you consider that the team was sort of in a mess at the start of the season. But he's kept his head up, even when he's had to play as an attacker with a load of different players around him because of so many injuries, and he's just thrived in that, and I don't know who identified him, if it was Angel, the, the scouts, but he's been another great signing in that. Three and a half million starts a lot of bargain, because when he leaves us, which hopefully won't be for ages yet, we could easily get a lot more money for that. I mean, he's scored a lot more goals than other players that people going about are being brilliant, like Kent. I think Kent scored maybe two goals this season, and Abadis got 13, so... Abada's a, a very, very good player. Another great signing, and he scores that many goals as well for a winger. That's what he wants, especially with James Forrest, who we relied on for years, been off the boil because of injuries. Abada's came in, and we've not even missed Forrest that much. I thought the, I thought Jota was just okay, but I thought Gigi was very good, and I thought Abada was fantastic. I roared so much when Gigi just went in for the header, because what was so good about it, John, he, you know, it was a legitimate attempt to win the ball in the air, but he 100% knew that he had to body Bassey as well. And it was just amazing, wasn't it? It was like a two-in-one, go and win the ball, but take the man at the same time. And Bassey was just on the floor, KO'd, going, get me off here. I'm really surprised he lasted the 90. And again, you know, I wasn't shocked when Barisic got subbed. What he was thinking about with Abada, when Abada, as we always know, John, can cut inside all the time. Um, into the six-yard box. That's where he gets a lot of his goals. Talking about the second half, today I was a bit, I wouldn't say annoyed. I wasn't annoyed at all last night and I'm not annoyed today. But am I too greedy for wanting us to score like four and five? Or do we flip that and just say, do you know what? It was good game management by Ange considering the intensity and the energy we put into that first half. They were always going to make subs in the second half. They were always going to have their moments. I don't think we could have kept that uh, tempo up in the second half at all for, you know, a sustainable period of time. So they have to really say fair play to the manager for just seeing the game out properly. Or, like me, are you just wondering, there could have been a fourth or a fifth? No, I was satisfied because I think the players were probably knackered, to tell you the truth. I think by about 60 minutes, they were probably exhausted after they put so much into the game and we'd done what we, the game plan was, try and get the game won by half-time. I think I don't know if I expected Celtic to win by three goals at half-time, be leading by three goals, but I think the game plan was to try and get the game won as soon as possible. And that's what happened. And if the game is won by half-time and the second half turns into a non-event, then fair enough. I mean, 
It happened against Hibs, as I said earlier, and it happened last night, and I'll always accept that. If, if you're winning a game and you can bring on, no disrespect to him, like James McCarthy and Ismaili Asoro, who are squad players at best, if you can bring them on in a derby, then you know that you're, you're laughing. And no disrespect to them, but they're not the sort of guys that are going to start a lot of games for Celtic. Never mind a derby. So, no, I was satisfied. I was also drinking a load of cans, so that may have affected my judgment a bit. <laughs> but no, I, I, I just couldn't see Islet scoring. The, you could tell for the start of the second half that the tempo wasn't going to be the same, and Rangers were always going to get more possession. I mean, they had to try and do something. They didn't really do anything apart from that. Uh, Ryan Jack show off the bar. But no, it was it was satisfactory. You can never complain if a game against Rangers is won at half time. And I would have took three nothing before the game, I would have took it at half time and I think it was fine. Obviously everybody would have loved it if we'd won like four, five, six, but I, I just couldn't see that happening because I think the players uh, were exhausted, even though we did make bring all subs on. We were never going to keep that same tempo and that's fine, though, because the game was won by halftime. So, no, I was fine with that. How do you think that's going to affect us? And how do you think it's going to affect them for the rest of the season now? Well, I mean, it obviously gives us a big psychological lift. And I think it gives them a big psychological blow because the manager's not been in there for that long and they've had some poor results recently. And there's obviously going to be doubts about the manager early on because he's not really got the credit in the bank that... Gerard, for example, had. I mean, I think if that was Gerard's team that lost three enough, and I think they try and brush it off a bit more, like you always do when you lose derbies, you're like, oh well, on to the next game. So I, I'm just guessing here, obviously. Uh, I think that it'll affect them a bit more because, like, they've been having some poor results recently. If it was like a one-off game, then you can try and brush it off. For us, though, I think it's uh, big. Obviously, not just the win, but the manner of the win, the way we just dominated. For the first 45 minutes, probably one of the best 45 minutes of Celtic football I've seen for years. It's best in a derby, and we're getting so many players back, like Rogic is back. And I was just thinking today, I mean, imagine how good would would be as well if Kyogo was in the team, if he wasn't injured, and like David Tumble, Julian's been out for a long time. With so many injuries, so many uh, things to deal with this season, and we're managed to be top of the league in February. When we were like, nobody thought at the time, I don't care what MD says, nobody thought when we were flailing at the start of the season and losing to hearts and drawing to, drawing with Indy United, nobody thought we'd be where we are now. And that's massive credit to Ange and the players. And I'll always think back, no matter what happens this season, if we do want to win the league, which I think we can hope we will, I always think back to that game against Aberdeen when Jota scored. We about 10 minutes to well, the last five minutes. Uh, I think that goal, I don't know if people will talk about it a lot, but I think that goal is probably our most important goal of the season because I think we'd have been eight points behind if we hadn't won that game. And I just couldn't see Selic getting that gap down. And now we've managed to turn around six points in a matter of weeks and we're top of the league where we belong and hopefully we'll stay at the end of the season. But no, I think it's got to be big for us. I mean, obviously. We'll celebrate uh, still maybe the night in the morning, but then we need to think about Fort Park because I know we're going to talk about it in a minute. We've got a habit there rarely, but we have got a habit of sometimes going there and falling on our faces after massive wins against Rangers. So I think Ange and the players already have forgot about it and be thinking about Fort Park on Sunday and then Petodre next Wednesday because 
football is just non-stop now for Celtic and people are desperate to see it because we're playing so well. I was even thinking I might go along to Fur Park on Sunday and stand with 30 quid in there and try and get a ticket, but I'll probably just watch it in the house instead. Celtic mania is running wild for you these days, John. Love to see it, brother. I even bought a ticket for the Dundee game last night. That's that's how much Celtic fever I'm in. You were saying, John, the Aberdeen game at Pitodry was crucial for the Celtic side. I would agree because that's when we first properly won ugly you could say. Honestly, last night was just such a wonderful win and it was the polar opposite of winning ugly against Aberdeen at Pithodry. But yeah, you were talking about how history... Just a second though, just a second. We can we can do both though because we won ugly on Saturday. We didn't... I don't think we played well at all on Saturday. I know some people might disagree but we managed to win ugly where I go with 10 men in injury time. So this, these two games are showed that Celtic can do both. They can play ugly and play great football and win both times, and that's the mark, a team that wins trophies and wins titles. I wouldn't be surprised if we have to play ugly on Sunday, and as long as we get the three points, that's fine by me. And me. We're agreeing an awful lot in this pod here, John. But you were talking about how history could repeat itself. We remember 2011, we beat Rangers 3-0 February. Gary Hooper scored twice, Chris Common scored against a Rangers side who looked utterly done after it. They had, you know, there was no energy from them that game. Celtic just bodied them from the first minute to the last. The atmosphere at Celtic Park that day was unbelievable. We went to Fur Park after it. Charlie McGrew was an idiot. I think he cost the first goal. John Sutton made it 1-0 and then he scored a second. I think it might have been a penalty. And then after that, Rangers went and won. I think they were playing that Sunday too. And all of a sudden, the gap was cut back down to like four points and I think they'd one or two games in hand. So... We do have to go into it, remembering that you know we're still going to have to work hard, and I think Ange and the team will. I think they'll have the right attitude and mentality for it, John. But Motherwell this season, they've not been bad. They've not been great either. They've just been somewhat in the middle of the road, haven't they? Certainly since they've got rid of Tony Watt, or rather since Tony Watt's left them, Motherwell are without a league win in 2022 so far. They haven't. They think the only game they've won was against Morton in the cup, and even then, Morton were winning one 0 um, I think they scored like in the last minute of extra time to get through it in the next round. So I'm going to say that Celtic will go to Fur Park. They'll be professional, and I think they'll give Motherwell, you know, the respect they deserve. But I reckon that Celtic side will have far too much for them, John. And I think we're going to go and win two 0 like we did earlier in the season. What are you? What is your prediction? I think it'll be a hard game just because after the after the excitement uh, last night's game, there's always a come down in the game after. That's just the way it happens. But like you said, I think this team are professional. They know what it's all about. They're, I don't think for a start. I don't think this manager would be daft like the manager the manager we had when we lost back in 2011. I don't know who that manager was. He uh, was a guy who. Sometimes did daft things. <laughs> um, no, I, I think this team know what it's all about. I, they, they, they just can't like let this opportunity they've got go that I think a lot of people didn't see coming. Even I didn't, and I don't think you did either. I know we might pretend we always thought Andrew's going to be a genius, but that's not the case. But yeah, it's turning out to be a genius so far. No, that this select team have got a bit between their teeth and. I just can't see them letting that go. I mean, there's no reason for us to do it. Okay, Millwall will be up for it, but there's there's no reason for us to slacken off and 
we know that if we win, we can go four points ahead and put Rangers under a ton of pressure against Hearts. I'm not holding it much hope for Hearts, but you never know because Hearts are an easy team to play against. And I just can't see the Celtic team being no taking the foot off the pedal, no being relentless. Okay, we might not be as 100 miles an hour like we were last night, but I just can't see his no trying to hit Motherwell early on with a couple of goals and trying to get the game done early. And no, I think I think maybe we'll win. Uh, I think maybe 3 nothing. I think uh, we'll want to put on a show because I think, as the song goes, because I think people will be going there thinking, a lot of people watching it may think, oh, that'll be Celtic. They're, they've got that win, but then they'll just go and They'll fall on their face. That's what I think a lot of Angels fans will be thinking or hoping. But no, this Celtic team have got the bat about them now. That was shown last night. The streetwise, they know what they're doing and they won't want to give up top spot after one game. That would be bloody stupid. No, we'll win, I think, and we'll win well. And even if we don't, I'd still be happy if we won by a 1 0 win. But this Celtic team aren't just can't be stupid and throw away being top of the league again. For the first time this season, for the first time in like two years, they've earned the right to go and go into these games with confidence, and so they should, and I think we'll win. End of rant. Very passionate, John. Love to hear it. Just before we finish as well, I just have one thing to say. Now, you said that none of us predicted how this season was going to go and what position we'd be in now, but I was far more optimistic, John, in the early days, and you know that. I want to go on record. Now, I know what happened in Denmark and against Hearts and you know, Rangers at Ibrox and yeah, you can talk about the drop points against Livingston and that. I even put a tweet out on a gig pod account, like sort of worrying was Ange going to be like Warburton in terms of not having a plan B for these games. So I will put my hands up there. But John, you know that since day one, I'm not saying you haven't, but I have fully got behind the manager. I remember the West Ham game after it. I went and met Hamish and we were in the pub. I think Ryan McGinley was there too from the Celtic the Thunder podcast. And all three has just said, look, we're going to have setbacks like this, but you can see right away that when the Celtic team go forward, the manager's got a purpose, he's got a plan. And you can see what he's trying. It's just a case of him getting the right players in. He's got his players in now, John. And you can see the difference from those early days. Of course, I don't want to just harp back on it, because that's maybe something we can talk about at the end of the season. But I just want to go on record for the fans and for you to admit that I always have been a bit of an Ange Mark and I believed in him from day one. No, you have. And no, you've been much more a believer than I have. I mean, I've always thought it was a... When I went to that uh, thing at the start of the season, the, the Q&A thing, I mean, I thought he spoke very well and I could understand why people liked him because he was so charismatic and had good things to say. And I mean, every interview he gives has uh, been good. I mean, obviously it's all about what you do in the pitch. But no, I was always reticent to an extent. Even like a been to quite a few games this season and I've enjoyed nearly all of them, apart from Livingston. But I mean, I was still a bit uneasy. I think too many people were comparing it to last season when I think last season was a one-off and that was a, a freak season for any number of reasons. I mean, that until it won't allow us to get back in that situation again, as well, so now we've got a proper manager. But no, I think people were so blinded by last season to an extent that we were getting Ange pass marks for like running them all wins and people were like well, we're still four points behind, like, this is one of the best seasons ever. And I was like, well, hang on, to we, like, get the job done. And when we won that League Cup, Premier Sports Cup, that was, like, the start. I thought, well, maybe Ange has got it. And then that win at Hearts was huge. The win in Saar against United was just a typical Celtic 
last minute glory win that every great Celtic team ends up having and last night was one of the best Celtic performances against Rangers for years so you're right to have faith in Ange we've no won the league yet but we're definitely going in the right direction and it's a lot more than I expected so congratulations to Ange you've made a believer out of me at last <laughs> and also this is the very first gig pod John where we can talk to the audience after a win against Rangers I know, unbelievable. We only are jinx after all. But no, that's right. I mean, we the first one was that 1-0 defeat last season. I mean, there you go, that game last season. Uh, McGregor, poor old McGregor. Rangers didn't have a shot on target and they won. It was because of McGregor on goal. And now, a season later, McGregor's wearing a mask and screaming in their faces and what type of league. A lot can change in 13 months and it's changing for the better for us, so... We've not won anything yet, but thanks to Angie and the players for last night. It was fantastic, and we go again on Motherwell on Sunday. That's it. I know this is a wee bit longer than our usual half hour, but it was a special night last night. I mean, that was the first derby against them in two years that fans could be there, certainly at Celtic Park. We've waited a long time for it. Me and John have, you guys listening in have, every Celtic fan. That's exactly what we've wanted to see. Last night, without any fans there, that would have been pointless. This is exactly why the break was brought forward. This is why, you know, everybody at the club and all the other SPFL clubs were pushing for it. And it was just scenes that are going to live in the memory for a long time. Hopefully they count for something towards the end of the season. It would be wonderful to look back on. It would be a massive highlight and it would just be a nice wee montage to say that was one of the big turning points where the momentum changed and the power shifted in Celtic ran out winners. But, as John says, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We do have a hard game, but the manager on this team who's just made us believe again, and if they can make a couple of old cynical guys like me and John believe, then anything's possible. But John, I better stop rambling now because that's nearly, what, 45 minutes into this. I'm just going to hit the cheerio button and I'll let you do the outro where you can mention our wonderful Instagram, the amazing downloads we've had recently, and just say a lovely farewell. Yep, uh, as Steve says... You can follow the Instagram on uh, at Gigpod, where Stevie does various great things. I've got nothing to do with that. And I was wait, and I was drunk last night, and I put it up in the story. Yes, that's right, and the Twitter account as well, which is his domain as usual. I've nothing to do with that because uh, I'm a quiet guy. <laughs> the downloads have been sensational recently, so thanks to all the listeners for that. You've you've made two old men very happy. <laughs> just nearly as much as Celtic did last night but no thanks everybody for continuing to listen to us uh, just two and more, usually sometimes there's more usually two guys talking rubbish about Celtic so thanks everybody for making the downloads go through the roof but soon we'll uh, be successful as Ange hopefully but no thanks everybody for your your listen, listening recently it's been great and you can catch us on all the usual podcast platforms you know by now where to get is and keep on listening and we should be back after the Motherwell game on Sunday. We'll speak to you all soon and hail hail. Podcast Network.